Hi everyone and welcome to the 20 Minute Marketing Podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful day and thank you for listening to the show. We always appreciate your support. For anyone that might be a new listener, my name is Liam and on the show I interview guest experts on topics like SEO, paid advertising, content marketing, social media and lots more. We try to keep our introductions really short and then we'll dive into a specific topic for around 15 minutes or so, which is then followed by a really quick outro, which is always really lighthearted and fun. So let's get started with this episode, which is number 73. This week, I am joined by Lloyd Williams, who is the head of strategy at Socially Powerful, which is a global attention marketing agency. Lloyd also hosts a podcast as well named Brand Wars, which is really cool and compares brands and sort of how they were founded. So we'll dive into that later as well. But first of all, hey, Lloyd, welcome to the show. And how is it going? Hi, Liam. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. As we were just saying off, off mic, I guess off air, it's, uh, it's different being a guest to uh, hosting. So uh, yeah, I'm pressure's on, but I'm ready. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree. Being on the other side is definitely a different experience, um, but I'm sure that you'll do great. So before we get started, could you give us a brief introduction on yourself and Socially Powerful, please? Yeah, sure. So um, firstly, myself, I um, I look after the strategy team. So it's kind of the agency itself is a really a full service social media agency. It exists really to help clients reap the benefits of the internet, I guess, and how to use social media, how to use influencers, how to use paid media, um, how to use e-commerce um, in, uh, and kind of that web or that universe of things, how to get the most out of them and make sales, get people talking about your brand, increase engagement, whatever it might be. So we're kind of a group of problem solvers. The agency has been around for five years. My role really is, I guess, with many agencies, broadly speaking, there's two teams. One is to keep business and the other is to find business. And my role is to find business. And also, yeah, my background's within digital strategy. So kind of my background and my expertise is really in best practice for social media, really. So I kind of have a, a dual role in find new business, make sure that there's enough new clients coming through the door, but also I get involved in the sort of strategic side of things as well, particularly with those new clients. Awesome. Sounds good. I know that it's going to be a really fun episode. So we're going to be talking about social strategy, attention marketing, um, creating content and a few other things as well. So let's get started and dive in. So we have a mixed bag of things that we're going to be talking about during this main section. We are going to cover social strategy, attention marketing, influencers and Lloyd's podcast, Brand Wars. Um, so quite a few things to get through, but all really interesting. First of all, then, Lloyd, um, you've been working in social media for a while now. Um, I'd be interested to hear how you got into the industry and why you enjoy it. So I guess my last year at uni, there was this sort of, um, you know, when you pick your modules and um, there was a sort of like wacky sort of mad scientist guy who had this module called uh, interactive media. And uh, it was about communities. It was about search and Google. And I did that course and it was super, super interesting because it was quite um, philosophical about the sort of changing public sphere, I guess, from like before brands had a very controlled environment to promote their brands, whether that was TV or radio or whatever. And then social media, I guess, meant that anyone could say whatever they wanted about your brand. So 
it was no longer about what you said about your brand. It was what everyone else was saying about your brand. And, and then a lot of my friends from uni were going into very traditional, very cool advertising agencies, you know, the Ogilvy's and the Leo Burnett's and these kind of ones that you see from Mad Men type shows. And um, I uh, went to this sort of little uh, agency called Skive. They were taking on big agencies to win digital business and especially social media business, especially in that area of play, like skiving off and playing. And so what they did was they started off building games for brands back in the day when there was Facebook apps. If you remember those, um, you could go on and play like a, you know, Vodafone would have a F1 game. So that started out, out like how Skive worked, but then they started winning social media work. So um, my first ever real job within Skive was to manage KitKat's uh, first ever Facebook page and the first ever YouTube page. So it was really, really uh, early days where there was no paid media. It was all just communities of mad, weird sort of chocolate fans. Uh, so I started off like, yeah, sort of designing and planning content for for Facebook and YouTube for for KitKat. And that grew into Milky Bar and Aero and lots of other chocolate bars. And then I guess I've sort of followed the footsteps of, okay, then lots of brands launched new websites and it was kind of, uh, what do we need a website for if we've got social media? Like all my people are, you know, all my fans, all my customers are now on social media. Do I actually need a website anymore? And, and people started actually taking down their websites and replacing them with like Tumblr pages. So then I, I kind of got more into digital best practice and worked in with brands like Budweiser and uh, Beck's and Stella Artois and sort of defining globally what their digital footprint should look like from across kind of website search, social, mobile apps, and how they use them and how they could make them consistent across the world. And then I sort of followed a, a different path into experiential because then all of a sudden brands, I was working with brands like Heineken and Desperados where the sort of social was bleeding into experiential. And it was kind of about how social can create events and how social plays a part in sort of uh, youth culture and stuff like that. And then uh, I guess more recently in the last few years, influencer marketing has, has been a, a sort of well-trodden path that I've followed. And I think early on, I realized it was going to be massive. And I've really put a lot of, of my career path into, you know, becoming an expert in, in that. And that's led me into doing it from a PR perspective to more of a technological perspective. Okay, like how do we access influencers? How do we measure them? How do we build marketplaces for them? And, uh, and now more recently, yeah, Socially Powerful kind of does uh, a bit of all of that now. So um, yeah, it's been quite a, quite a journey of different things, really. Yeah, sounds great. Um, I do see a lot of negative stuff around university these days. So it's really cool that you took influence from that course and it guided you to social media. Um, and there were lots of name drops in your answer there. So that was pretty fun as well. Um, I really enjoyed um, hearing about those brands. Let's talk about Socially Powerful for a few minutes then, and then we'll move on to some other stuff around socials and influencers. Um, one thing that really stood out to me when I looked at the Socially Powerful website is that you regularly use the word attention marketing, which is not something that I see on other agency sites or perhaps something that I've come across before. So I'd love to know more about what attention marketing is and what that entails. I think you're right. Um, attention marketing for us is that thanks to just the sheer depth and you know sheer quantity of content that's out there now, you know, you're competing for attention, really. Um, I think I read her stat. It was probably about a year ago now that people scroll the height of the Statue of Liberty every day on various feeds, which is probably true. And I guess, yeah, so you're competing for attention now. You know, we've got just so much content that we could access from mainstream to very, very niche 
you know, hobbies and passions from, you know, TV still down to kind of, you know, new apps like Clubhouse and TikTok. We have podcasts, we have Instagram, we have YouTube that we can spend hours on. So I think brands need to kind of find a way to get people's attention and not only get it, but maintain it. So that's really what Socially Powerful is about. It's getting brands' attention with the right people, going where your customers are, your consumers are, doesn't necessarily mean going for new platforms just because they're trendy. It's about getting attention within the right for the right people and then how to maintain that attention and how you can turn that attention into sales or actions, I guess. So for us, it's about knowing where or researching or knowing where or providing insights on where people's attention is and then placing brands where that attention is. Yeah, completely agree. There is so much content out there right now. Um, which is spread across hundreds of different channels. So I think it's really important to understand where your audience is um, and then prioritize content creation for those channels specifically. So we are going to fly through some of these questions because I have quite a few that I wanted to ask you and we only have a limited amount of time. Um, So let's move on to influencer marketing, which is something that you mentioned during your first answer. Um, Really top level, but do you have any quick tips on working with influencers and how to get the best results or maybe just some insights around the industry yeah sure i can sort of cover it quickly and obviously yeah we could talk about this for hours generally speaking i think there's there's still a lot of misconceptions around influences i think it is a bit of a dirty word whenever there's some negative news around celebrities they call them influencers and it tends to be those kind of yeah tv personalities i think when you think if you ask you know your average person on the street what an influencer is they probably say someone from love island but actually an influencer can be anybody with who you know you're compelled to follow it might be because they're an expert in fitness or nutrition it might be because they're just in a similar life stage to you like they might be you know recent a a recent new parent or something like that or they could be you know someone that's a professional gamer or a professional athlete because and they influence you because of their career path or because they're an expert in something that you're passionate about so I think there's still a lot of misconceptions around what an influencer is and how brands can use them and actually there's hundreds of thousands of people who have influence that a brand can partner up with. And I think there's still a, a, a lot of so, there's this sort of so what factor around influences. And I think there is a lot of brands who still, who feel like they should use them, but don't really know why. And I think it's still defining it very simply. Like, do I want influences to, to help me get more attention or get more people talking about my brand or to drive sales or to get people to take test drives? Or I think there still is the basics still need to be done as you would do with other medias, but um, you just have to apply to influencers. And I think the tip really is to find mutually beneficial opportunities. So with a lot of cases when we work with influencers, it's about defining sometimes non-monetary reward schemes for influencers because, you know, they, there's obviously the brands taking benefit from their, their influence, their reach, you know, their advocacy, but I think the influencer can still benefit, not just from being paid, but actually from giving their audience better content or exclusivity or things that other people can't access for that the brand can give them. So I think fastest, you know, it's about finding those mutually beneficial reasons to work with someone. Yeah, that is really interesting. I bet if we surveyed 100 people in the street or whatever, and just said, can you name five influencers for us, then the high percentage of people would list off reality TV stars and Love Island stars and things like that. Um, When in actual fact, there's a lot more people with influence that could be used as great brand ambassadors as well. Let's add influencers into an overall marketing strategy then. 
uh, maybe for an in-house team, for example, how can they get their audience involved using attention marketing, influencers, and other things as well to sort of create engaging content? Yeah, I guess um, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades, but I guess that's, I guess most people who work in social media end up becoming that just because there's so much new stuff. But for us about audience involvement or audience engagement, for us, we, we have a simple policy, I guess, which is defining the rules of engagement. So if you want user-generated content and the, the best brands and the best pages, you know, brand pages, say on Instagram or YouTube are driven by, by consumers or driven by influencers, we, we define rules of engagement. So make sure you give people a reason to take part and share content. And I think that does come not just from content strategy, but comes from the brand ethos itself, you know, like brands that are naturally like have a community and that tends to be digital brands like airbnb or gopro or north face you create a platform for your users to share content i guess so like north face is about you know never stop exploring and you know instantly if you think of north face you think of people you know in you know uh, yosemite or up a mountain or in a trekking across the north pole and so people when they're wearing north face share those kind of you know experiences of them doing cool stuff and exploring the outdoors so uh, and then they take all that content that other people are sharing and and curate it and for us then it's about yeah creating rules of engagement so why people would you know be involved in a brand why would they share photos of them with the brand it's that it might be simple as a contest and or it might be as, as simple as yeah again a reward system so the you know the more you get involved with the brand the more chance you have of winning something that's limited edition or you might get to meet someone from the brand or whatever. So I think it's always about giving people a, a reason. And I guess nowadays it's the hashtag challenge. Everybody wants a hashtag challenge and wants user-generated content off the back of it. But I think, again, it's about why would people want to do that? Brands like Burger King are the masters of it. Like they had the, you know, the one, $1 Whopper dance. So they got a load of creators from TikTok to create a dance. And if their followers copied that dance, they were then DM'd a voucher to get a one dollar whopper like simple like it's sort of yes it's it's a little bit forced but loads of people did it because who doesn't want a one dollar whopper so uh yeah if uh, it's about giving people a reason to do it otherwise they they won't yeah that's cool and i think your rules of engagement come back nicely to attention marketing too and it all blends in together you know there's so much content and competition now so you really do have to be smart about the channels that you're on and how you're engaging um, and the strategy that you use to drive customer or fan engagement. And I think there's always this pressure to come up with creative and fancy campaigns. But the example that you gave there, I know it's Burger King and they're a household name with a global reach, um, but it's pretty simple and effective to come up with competitions or campaigns like that. Yeah, there was um, a similar one. There was um, like a really small like uh, Indian restaurant that came up with a, a really, really clever campaign on Twitter. And like it's a tiny little local restaurant. Um, and what you had to do was tweet something about uh, the restaurant or about your own cooking or something like that and the challenge was for your tweet to get no retweets <laughs> so you had to make it so bad that no one would want to retweet it and if your tweet got no retweets then you got uh, you know a voucher to go and to go and get money off your meal there so i think it's very you know as the same same applies exactly small brands can do it as well yeah that's a great example um, there's definitely opportunities to be reactive on social media and see if you can uh, run a competition based on current news or trends and things like that. So let's finish this main section by chatting about your podcast then, uh, which is called Brand Wars. Um, I really love the concept. I think it's a really cool idea. 
So could you quickly tell us about the show? And then I would love it if you could tell us about maybe one of your favorite brand stories from the show. Yeah, thanks. Um, it was kind of inspired by a mixture of different other podcasts. Uh, there's Business Wars, which is quite a famous podcast. And uh, I think last summer there was loads of World Cups of things. Like there was, you know, you get like the World Cup of animals or World Cup of flags. And we thought, let's do sort of, we could take that and apply it to brands. Everyone's got their favorite brands and their own store. And, you know, everyone loves different um, brands for different reasons. So the concept of the show really to start with was let's just take two brands don't necessarily have to have anything to do with each other, but we sort of play top trumps. So me and my co-host, we bring a brand to the table each week and we kind of go through the history of it, where they got the name from, why they're you know in the press this week, what campaigns have they done that we really like, all the sort of weird facts around what, you know, where the brand came from. And then I guess as we've developed the, the podcast, it's, you know, we've added other elements to the show, I guess. So, you know, we've started having guests on. Um, we now do, you know, a, a sort of bi-weekly brand news so we kind of give our listeners an update on all the newest sort of stuff that's going on in our world of of brands and social media and um, I guess my favorite stories generally come from the history of of the brands um, so there's some really lovely stories so like um, Ben and Jerry's was one that brand that we covered on the on the show quite early on and uh, one of the things I didn't know was that uh, Ben of Ben and Jerry's has no sense of taste or smell and the brand originally they wanted to set up a bagel a bagel company uh, to sort of bring bagels to the to sort of northwest of uh, america and um, they originally wanted to start a sort of a farm drop style company which delivered bagels cream cheese and a new york times to you on a sunday morning but when they got there and started to actually pull the business together they couldn't afford the bagel making equipment and so they decided instead to do ice cream and they took a, an open university course in how to make ice cream as they didn't know how to make it. And uh, they, they sort of did this course over, the, <laughs> over a year of, and uh, then instead launched ice creams instead of bagels. Yeah, super interesting. And of course, the rest is history. Um, it's always fascinating to find out how brands have developed into household names and what goes on behind the scenes. Um, so if you do like the concept, then please go and check out Brand Wars. And if you have any cool stories and think that you might make a cool guest, then I'm sure that Lloyd would be happy for you to get in touch as well. So we're going to wrap up the main section of the episode right here. I have two quick questions that I will be asking to Lloyd before we close out the episode. So stay tuned for a few more minutes. So this closing section of the episode has two quick questions that I like to ask guests, Lloyd. Uh, they're always pretty fun because we get such a wide range of answers. So the first one is, do you have a memorable story that jumps out when you look back on your career? It could be something funny, embarrassing or inspirational, for example. Yeah, so there's one um, story that always comes to mind and it's, I guess, um, a classic sort of blooper by a, a, an agency of scheduling a post and, uh, you know, it should have been taken off, but it ended up going live anyway. So we were working with a kind of a high profile celebrity who'd been on kind of Geordie Shaw and I'm a celebrity in these kind of quite high profile name. And we were also working with a, a wine company who were uh, promoting like a, their you know supermarket wine. This celebrity was due to do a, do a post just of, of them like enjoying a glass of wine at home. And um, what happened was we scheduled the post. So we got the, the post made of this, like she was really glammed up, looked lovely and was enjoying this glass of wine. The post was scheduled on her side to go live to her, however many million followers. 
And then about two days before this, the post was due to go live, there'd been this kind of high profile breakup between her and her fiance. Um, and the newspapers had kind of reported on the fact that she'd taken off her engagement ring. Anyway, fast forward a couple of days to when this post was due to go live. Of course, she was wearing her engagement ring and the post went live anyway. And amongst this kind of media storm, obviously, the scheduled post went live. She was wearing her engagement ring and all of the newspapers were reporting on, on the fact that the wedding's back on and they were back together when in reality, that was absolutely not the case. And um, obviously like we were like, when we saw like, you know, the articles in the morning, we were like, oh God, did not expect that to happen. But actually the, um, our client, the wine company was delighted with the extra, uh, the extra press because this photo, you know, was plastered all over the newspapers. So it worked out well, but yeah, a classic mistake of uh, check your schedule <laughs> yeah that's definitely a unique one um sounds like it worked out all right in the end for your client though i suppose my final question is do you have a favorite marketing resource that you use on a regular basis so it could be a blog a newsletter or a plugin uh, or something like that i've got two really quickly my first is um pocket which is a sort of uh, bookmarking tool i've used it for years i think it's brilliant and really helps me so it's kind of a Chrome add-on. It's an app that you can get that's uh, used to be called Read It Later. Anything you see on Twitter or on the internet, on your phone, you can quickly add it to Pocket as if you were sharing with a mate. So you just click share, save the Pocket, and it kind of bookmarks that article into a sort of a cloud resource that you can kind of return to when you have more time to read the actual article. Or And then it's just a treasure trove of stuff that you've saved. That It could be yeah, anything. I think it's brilliant. I use it every day. The other resource that I think is really underused is, is YouGov. So you can sign up to a YouGov newsletter and you can select the kind of topics that you're interested in and you just get some brilliant statistics that come through each week, whether it's like the UK's favorite restaurant or the UK's, you know, favorite, favorite food based on where they live. And I just think it's brilliant kind of uh, statistics that you can use with clients or you can use, you know, in the pub. Yeah, sounds great. I actually used YouGov quite a lot at university for statistics, um, but I haven't really used it since. So thanks for sharing that with us. And Pocket sounds very handy as well. Um, I know that I quite often find articles on LinkedIn and stuff, and I just don't have the time to read them. Um, and then you forget where they were and stuff like that when you think about them maybe a week later or so. We're going to wrap up the episode right here. So thank you for joining us, Lloyd, and sharing some really cool insights with us. Oh, thanks very much, uh, Liam. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, no problem. So a big thank you to everyone for listening to the episode. We'll be back next Wednesday with another new episode. So have a great week and we'll see you then.